Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, of course, and I'm on the line with Stacy Greenberg. Stacy, are you there? I'm here. Hi, everybody. Awesome. Glad, glad to have you here. Let me do a quick introduction for Stacy, and then we'll get into the storytelling part of our show here. Um, so, Stacy, you are an interior designer. You've got extensive experience in the field of design and project management. You make spaces functional to meet the unique needs of its occupants through interior design. And you're IHG certified. You said that was an inter, um, intercontinental hotel group. So you do interior design for big hotel groups and stuff like that. So let me start off with this. What is it that you're known for today? What's your business like now? What do people come to you for? What do they hire you for? Why do people call up Stacy Greenberg and ask for your help? It's multifaceted. So yes, I do hotels. I really love doing hotels, but that doesn't mean I don't love doing other types of projects. I do do residential. I do corporate, which means uh, office buildings, small little offices, big offices. Uh, I have healthcare and education in my background, although I don't really do a lot of that now. It's just, it's who, it's who comes out after you, you know, who calls you up and says, hey, I have a project. And it's usually referrals. It's mostly referrals. Um, but I, my heart is really in hotels and residential. Um, I don't know if it's good time now, but I'm kind of pushing the residential a little bit more. I'm going to be creating this workshop. It's a DIY workshop. And I guess we can get into that. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so for people who really want to do one room and do it themselves, but have access to a professional, like sort of guidance and, 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 um, and a fun, it's a fun way of doing a room. And they have access to my pricing, my vendors. Uh, I'm excited about it. So we're going to be launching that very so shortly. That's really cool. Yeah, one of the yeah. things that just fascinates me about, um, you know, do, having guests on the show and talking to people like you and you get people from all sorts of different industries and you realize that behind everything you see, you know, there's, there's an entrepreneur somewhere who made that happen. <laughs> uh, right? Well, and, I, listen, I always say this that when people we a lot of designers struggle or are constantly having to i'll use the word prove their value or show their value why should someone need or want to work with an interior designer here's what i say look around your world look around your room right now okay look up and down you look anywhere there is not one thing you eat see use think about that has not had a design decision applied to it. Anything, your eyeglasses, the wall behind you, your ceiling. It's not all interior design. I mean, food. There are chefs that make design decisions on how to present the plate. That's a little extreme, but it's true. 
think about it in, in all of everybody's world, everything we do has a design decision attached to it. You just don't think about it or you just don't realize it. So not everybody needs an interior designer, but you should at least consult with one if you're doing a project. Why? Because we know things you don't know and we have access to things that you don't have. That's why. I don't know yeah, that. And I would imagine, especially if the space requires some sort of function, right? Mm. Whatever, whatever the function for the space is, um, you exactly. probably have a lot more knowledge about how to make a space functional than someone who doesn't have those same, um, the same skill sets that you do. Uh, yeah. Well, the function is the big, uh, we'll do air quotes, you know, the big question mark, you know, what do you need? That's what that unique uh, occupant, you know, use of space means. Uh, I use this as an example. Um, when I do say networking, I network a lot and I'll, you, you know, you have to stand up and do your 30 second commercial. I don't, you know what that is, right? Okay. Well, yeah, for your viewers who don't know, maybe they, a lot of people don't network, you go to these networking groups and you really talk about what you do and you really have to keep it into 30 seconds because usually there's a lot of people. All right. So I'll stand up and this is the example I give. Say I have a client who's a, a six foot five, seven foot uh, high uh, basketball player and he buys a home and he wants to put a basketball court in his living room. Okay, that's an extreme visual. You, you're thinking about it right now. Most living rooms, even with the huge mansions, are not big enough for a basketball court. So already I, the instinct is to say, no, you can't do that. But because I'm an interior designer or, or even architect will say this too, we'll look at the structure. If we could blow out the second floor and make a half court, we might be able to do that. Do I want that? Do you want that? No, I'm not a basketball player. I have no desire for that. But maybe he does. Maybe that's important to him. It's his space. He's not killing anyone. He's not hurting anyone by doing it. He has a right and, and that's his need. He wants, uh, uh, let's say a half court basketball in his living room. So if I can structurally make that happen, and, and with an architect, of course, because I don't do structure, why not? It's not hurting anyone. It's his unique need. It's his, his unique use. So um, that's an extreme visual, but you got it, right? You can see it in your head. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I, we're not doing that. That's not what I want my living room for. Most people don't, but you have a right to do your space the way, have it work for you. You know, when you um, either rent or buy a new space, and it could be a business too, by the way. People do this, they, they buy a new office space and they, they lovingly walk around and they look around, they go, oh, you know, what are we gonna do with this? And they're moving their office. They're, they're already in their mind thinking, how is all my furniture now that I have gonna fit in this space? You do it in your, when you rent a home or move or buy a home, you're moving and you're thinking, how is my sofa gonna fit into this space? You really shouldn't be doing that. What you should be looking at in that space is how to make that space work for you. That old sofa may be in great condition, but it may not work here. It's a different space. Maybe it doesn't fit right. Maybe it's too big, maybe it's too small. That could happen too. So the real correct way of doing it is to take your, your view of your space and, and look and see your needs and how things will work. If you can make that, that sofa work, then great. But that's not so what you start out with, you know? How often do you work with um, spaces that are going to be customer facing for businesses where you have to think about what does this space say to my consumer, right? Or to my client. Um, and is it going to be functional for them? And it's going to present my brand. Well, do you do a lot of that type of design as well? 
Uh, yeah, for commercial, absolutely. Commercial is always about, you know, I, I've created brand walls for as part of the graphics, as part of the artwork for um, a client. But yeah, if you're thinking, uh, if you're doing a corporate space and, uh, you know, I'll just say an office, office space, um, and they have a brand, yeah, I'm not, and their brand colors are orange and blue and white, okay? I'm not going to suddenly start picking flaming green or, you know, like a, like a, a neon green. I'm not going to do that because it doesn't work with their brand colors. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm well aware and very cognizant of what should be, I should be working with, what materials that we'll work with. Um, for instance, people, texture, it, we're really kind of talking about texture too. So if you're taking a, a color that's navy blue, you know, there's a navy blue that's sort of a winter, cold, dark, like a, like a warm fabric. And then there's the navy blue that really works more with the summer, spring, you know, it's a lighter fabric. I'm not going to use that summery, light texture, linen, uh, navy blue in a space that calls for more of a winter, warmer color because the texture will, 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 will influence how it reads. And I guess that, that's getting a little technical. But the point is, I know what material I should be using. I know what textures will work. And it's the same thing with branding. You don't pick colors or textures or materials that won't work and support the brand of the, the client's brand. Yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah. what I want to talk about a little bit is how you how you got into this, right? Your origin story, right? Every we talk on the show, every hero has an origin story. Where did you start to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them <laughs> to help people, right? Where did you start to develop your, the value you bring to this world? I, this is a really true story. I promise you it really is. Okay, so back in, uh, right after college, I was a little, I started out in theater, theater and communications. I went to Emerson and, um, uh, I loved it. You know, I'm very, obviously I'm very energetic. Let's use that word. And um, I, but I changed gears. I got to New York and I realized that, you know, it's not what I wanted to do. And I was kind of lost. My sister who was at Parsons at the time for textile design said, why don't you take a class? You know, get, get juice up a little bit, get, get, get the juices going. Okay, great. So she said, yeah, take a, take a design class of some kind at Parsons. I'm like, what, what, what should I do? So when we were kids, we loved the movie Dr. Doolittle, the original one with Rex Harrison. Do you remember that one? I do not, but I've heard okay. of it. Go look it up. It's very cool. It's way better than, I like Eddie Murphy, but it's, it's a different movie. Okay, so the original Dr. Doolittle, they were searching for the great sea snail. And um, this, uh, I think her name was Emma, the woman, the, the woman hero, heroine, she stows away on the boat. They're on this boat looking for the great sea snail and she stows away and they catch her. So they try and decide where they're gonna to go to find the great sea snail. And um, they blindfolded her and they had a big hat pin as they do in those days and this huge globe, which is another reason why I love globes, I love them. Um, and they hit the globe so it turned and she hit this, the, uh, the hat pin in the globe and wherever it landed, that's where they were gonna go find the great sea snail, encapsulating this, you know, uh, so for brevity. Um, so we used to play a game, my sister and I, and we would close our eyes and, and if we wanted to do something and make a decision. So she said, let's play Dr. Doolittle. I knew exactly what she meant. So she took the Parsons uh, class book, you know, the, 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 what classes they offer, and closed my eyes. We had wine. So this definitely was a happy moment. And she <laughs> flipped the book open, it's hidden down, and it opened to interior design. And that is exactly 
how I got into interior design. She goes, that's great. That's a good choice for you. Everybody always asks you to help them with their, you know, we were at the time where people were moving into apartments and things like that. People always asked me to help them out. It was creative. I liked drawing. I was good with colors and okay, sure. So I took a class and took to it like a duck to water. I just never looked back. I loved it. That's it. That's a fun origin story, right? Where you just, it, you just sort of really let fate is. decide. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was lost. I was so, yeah, kind of didn't know what to do. You know, yeah, when you, so you, you took something anybody, and you took the leap. Well, in anybody in their life, if you talk to anybody, there's always a decision what to do, which way to go, crossroads, you know, it, it, it's, I just didn't know what to do. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have worked out. Maybe it just could have been a bad experience. It wasn't. From the minute I got in there, took my first drafting class, I knew I'd found home. I loved it. Because it, it, it allowed me to be expressive, creative. I got to use you know, my knowledge that I've learned from the classes, but also apply my creativity and my, my eye, if you will. And interior design is not all about eye, you know, having a good eye. There, there are a lot of people that have a very good eye and they have good taste. That doesn't make them an interior designer. There's a lot of you know, behind the scenes kind of thing. There's a lot of technical stuff. There's principles of design. There's, there's an understanding of what to do with space, especially corporate and, and you know, commercial spaces. You've got to know laws and, and building codes and understand materials, building materials. It's not as easy as just taking one fabric and putting it together with another one. That's the fun stuff. I always call that the crayons to the coloring book. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, those, that's the fun stuff, but there's a lot of work to it, you know? How did you, how did you get into being a, um, an entrepreneur in this space instead of like taking a job as like a staff designer for a big company? How did you decide that you wanted to be your own entrepreneur and take clients and do the work that way? I think every interior designer that starts out, you, you apprentice with another designer or an architectural firm. You get to a point, it's like any creative. I can do it better or I want to do what I want to do and they won't let me because they're the boss. Um, I, I apprenticed for, for a few designers uh, uh, back in the day, you know, when I first started out. And um, you take the leap, you, you know, you just take the leap. But I have to tell you throughout the years, I have occasionally worked for other people. If work got slow or uh, for instance, I worked for Care One, which is a very big healthcare uh, yeah, company. Yeah, with them. Yeah, and I was a director of design for a very brief time. It wasn't a good fit, but I did it because I didn't have any healthcare in my, in my, in my background, and they were hiring. And I thought, okay, so I took it and I learned a lot, uh, and got my feet wet into healthcare. So I was able to do other jobs. Um, and again, it wasn't a good fit, so I didn't stay there. But I've done that in the past, where I've taken other jobs and worked for other companies. Um, when 08 hit, when you know, everything was blowing up in the world, in or at least in the United States. Um, yeah. I took a job with a small um, procurement company, but they only did hospitality. And I hadn't done hospitality in a number of years. So it was a great way to, number one, get keep money coming in, you know, get a job. Um, but two, to get back into the swing. Because there's definitely a rhythm that happens when you work in particular industries. Okay, so you, again, carpet is carpet. I always say this, you know, if I specify this carpet for that healthcare project, I probably can also use it for, say, a corporate building or uh, even an education, but they are marketing it different. Maybe there are things in, you know, anti uh, antibacterial or things like that. 
but especially in fabrics. But you can use a lot of the same materials. Uh, it's just how they market it, okay? But once you've done one, you don't have to be the chicken to recognize the egg. As long as you're a good designer and you're willing to do the research. If I don't know something, I research it, you know? And what all good entrepreneurs need to do anyway. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your superpower, right? If you could say, nail down like one thing you do for your clients that is that really helps solve problems for them the things you use to like slay their villains what would you say your superpower is i know everybody probably says this but i really mean it i i really hear people i i hear what they want and a lot of times what they say they want is not actually what they want okay i i have a client use this as an example who she's a kind of a throwback she's um lovely girl in her early 30s and she's married she loves Vic, which she said, Victorian. She loves all the curly cues and the, and I, I said, really? God, I don't, it's been years since I've heard anybody say they want that. It's a residential project. So great. Can you send me some pictures of what you mean? I, you know, cause again, what people say, they don't always, it's not the same thing. It's not the right thing or it's not They don't correct. always know what, what the words mean. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna correct her until I know what she's saying. Okay, so sure enough, she sent me a bunch of pictures. She's, oh, I love this. Oh my God, I love this. I love this. I love, pointed everything she loved. I went, oh my God, I'm so glad I asked her to do this. It's not Victorian, it's Baroque and Rococo. She loves that ornate, carved, deeply carved. It's different than Victorian, but I, I, uh, you have to find a way to politically correctly correct her. You know, you have to say, look, this is not exactly Victorian. What you're showing me is more of a Baroque, a Rococo, and I love it. It's one of my favorite eras in terms of fabrics and design. I just love it. But nobody wants that anymore. It's a, a lot of people call that your grandmother's furniture and stuff. It's the grandma time. But there's some beautiful pieces still being made. And we now, these days, we tend to use a lot of those elements in a furniture in a very contemporary piece. Like you'll see a lot of those really, uh, um, those beautiful architectural elements applied to a, a commercial piece, a, a contemporary piece. So we call that a transitional, okay? Um, but that she loves it, but I, I was able to show her. So one of my superpowers, as you like to call it, I like to educate the clients too, and so that they understand what they're saying and we're on the same page, but also it, it informs them. So they know yeah. the value of what they're getting, you know? Yeah, um, I, had a, I had a similar thing with a, uh, I, I do a little bit of web design for clients and mm -hmm. I had a client who was telling me they wanted, a, they, they wanted their site to be modern and edgy or whatever the thing was. And like I had put together a design for them that mm -hmm. had hit all those cues sure. and showed it to him. And he was like, oh, it's just, it's just not edgy enough, right? And I was using, I was, wow. I, I, cause he, he said he wanted modern, right? And, um, yeah. and so it was like sans serif fonts and like tall, thin kind of stuff for the headlines, whatnot. It looked right. very modern, very, very chic. Um, like it would have gone with a, a high-end brand. He's like, but it's not edgy enough. And I, you know, I, I uh, went back and I made a couple of changes and I, I just changed, all I changed was one thing. I changed the headline font from being a, uh, you know, tall, thin, thin sans serif to a, like a paintbrush style uh, script. Right. Um, and it was a masculine, yeah. yeah, it was a masculine looking script. Um, for for him and and he was like he's like that's it that's what I wanted I wanted I wanted that feel that feel for it I was like it's not it's not exactly the uh, um, 
it was it's not modern right it's not so it just changed the words a little bit and able to okay so it is, it's we're, what we're saying right now is it's really just sales you know is yeah. take your client or your customers words and use them back so they relate and you understand what you're saying you don't try to get anything over on them you're just trying to speak their language so i understand yeah. that but um yeah and and, and bring it back to what you're saying my superpower because i think that's hilarious um but yeah i really do hear and and recognize that what people are saying or is not always exactly what they mean or, and not that they're lying, and I believe that everybody lies. I really do. I really do. And I laugh about it. But the fact is that they're not really lying. They just don't know. And um, they're trying to communicate as best. But sometimes they're afraid to tell you. As a designer, I've seen some crazy stuff, okay? And they don't want you to know uh, that their closet's a mess or something, you know, or, or they have all this other stuff. Like one time I did a, 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 a an office space and they were moving they were moving to a new space and she so i was touring what they had now because i was taking what we call inventory of i have to find places i have to make sure that they have enough storage space and what have you for the new place and she's oh yeah don't look in that room i'm like why not what's in it a bomb you know i was laughing but she was mortified because it had a lot of crap in it i said well are you taking that with you or are we just she goes no 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 we're not gonna no, she lied. She was taking all that stuff. She just was horrified that I saw it. I'm like, but I have to make space for it. Don't you understand? You don't want to just shove it in another room in your new place. You want it to have a place to belong. Don't you want it? If you want it, why are you bring? If you don't want it, why are you bringing it with you? And if you do want it, don't you want to use it? Because you certainly can't yeah. use it that way. You know, some people just don't want, aren't able to get past their thinking. You know, they have a thought process. We all do. And then it stops at a certain point. And when it comes to design, it's my job to help them. This is part of your life. Do you, you know, it's about stuff, but it's also about how you use the space. There was that yeah. whole room she just didn't want me to see. And like, okay, listen, I, I've seen some crazy stuff. I'm telling you, back in the day when I first started, I was drafting for um, an architect back in uh, Ocean um, Township, Ocean Grove. And back in those days, there used to be a lot of B&Bs. And it was right on the ocean, it was great. Um, and a lot of abandoned buildings when I, when I worked for this architect. So we would go in as the lowly drafters and go and measure and dimension and, and we'd have to drop the space. Um, one time we walked in the space and oh my God, the smell that hit you first was just, I'll never forget that, I still remember it. It was all these cats. There were just hundreds of cats that had taken over this building that was abandoned. I mean, there were some dead cats, there were live cats, it was just, poop everywhere. It was just awful. It had to be cleaned out before we could even really go in there. It was not safe, but I've seen stuff like that. It just, there are buildings, you know? So yeah. anyway. So I want to talk about the other side of your superpowers and that is the fatal flaw, right? Like Superman <laughs> has his tonight. Batman's not actually super. So when it comes to running a business, right? Running a business as an interior designer, what would you say something that has held you back or kept you from growing that you've learned from that you could share and maybe more importantly what have you what have you done to overcome that and i think a lot of designers have this issue is the prior prioritizing you know we're we're all kind of little perfectionists we we all want to make it perfect and you know do, do you know emerald lagasse the that chef that always goes bam do you know yeah. him yeah yeah so we never want to do bam i always say this it's like we're never at that point where we can go bam you know serve it we, we just 
we got to keep fixing, fixing, fixing. And the fact is that most people aren't going to see the, the things that we see and nobody cares. You know, I can't stand there with a sign going, this is not what I designed. My client changed it or the, the budget changed or what have you. This is not what I designed. No, how it's going to come out, you have to do your best as much as possible. And then you have to let it go. At some point, you have to learn to prioritize. You, you have to. And it's hard to do it when you're, I, I know a lot of designers have the same issue. But like, it's not done. It's not finished. It's not good enough, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's but, not the way I want it to be. Right. So we have, so how do I, have I fixed it? I don't know that I fixed it. I constantly have to pep talk myself. And that's why coaches exist because they are like, nah, I got to move on, Stacy. You know, let's go keep it moving. It's hard. That's hard. Cause you know, you could do better. You, you, you find it's nothing's worse than when you find that say one fabric after you went forward with the job and everybody signed off, you got whatever the deposit. And then you found this the one fabric that was amazing. And you're like, Oh, too late. It's done. Move on. You know? Yeah. I really like that visual of, of you standing out in front of the design. This is not the way I designed it. <laughs> right. If I have had could... clients that change stuff on me and it happens all the time. Contractors are notorious for that. You, if you don't have a really good relationship with, it, it's like a threesome, you know, your client, the contractor and you, and if your client is, if your contractor is not loyal to you, if it's not your guy, okay, what happens is they, they just want to get the job done. They don't really care about my design. They're in it. And I'm not knocking all contractors or contractors that absolutely care about the design, but they, it, they got to get the, they're on a schedule that, you know, it's based on the money and that's not what she approved. It's going to cost more money. So if he's not loyal to you, he's not going to come to you and say, and it happens all the time. He's not going to come to you and say, oh, listen, she doesn't want this, or we found something that will be better. We, the other thing maybe is back ordered. We can't get it. And we have a replacement. I've had contractors just do it. They just replace, they don't tell me. And it did affect the design and it changed stuff. And, and maybe it's bigger, smaller. It just doesn't look the same. Um, it's really torturous when that happens. Um, and it's happened enough in my life where I've developed that thing. I, I cannot stand there with a sign that says, this is not what I designed. It's got to stand on its own. So you've got to do your job the best you can and then just get over it and move on. You know, yeah, that's, if the that's a good, happens, we're good. You know, it's a good piece of advice for all of us, whether or not we're in design, it's just, you got to do the best yeah. you can do and move on, right? You actually have to yeah, get but it. You know, everybody doesn't do that. Everybody doesn't do their best. Everybody, there are people who just want to get through the day, get their paycheck, or if they're running their own business, just get the job done. And they don't, uh, I don't know about that. I think entrepreneurs have a deeper feeling, but you meet them all the time. You meet the people that aren't invested in doing their best. There's just this level that's missing. And it's hard to work with those people because, you know, one of the things I am is I do, I feel things very deeply and uh, I'm, I am a little sensitive. So I'm a creative. It's kind of the fail. Comes with the package. Kind of, you know, but I do. The funny thing is you can be sensitive and still have a thick skin, meaning yeah. that affects me. It bothers me. I'm hurt. I'm upset, whatever. And I can move on, you know, so got to do it. There's no other way to do it. So let's take a little time and talk about your common enemy, right? And this is specifically for your clients. Like, so when, if you could, when a client hires you, right, you generally have struggles and things like that, getting through the whole process and going through the thing. If you could remove one thing from your client's life, from their mindset that would make your job easier every time you did it, what would that one thing be? <laughs> the perception of value or lack of value. They don't, I have to talk, I have to, 
I have to, I have to show the value of what I'm presenting every single time. I think I do a decent job of it, but you know, it's some jobs I didn't get. And that says to me, um, either didn't do a good job on the perceived value or the money was wrong. And even then that still goes back to value. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I have a, it's, she's not my coach, but I mean, you know how we do Facebook groups and I'm in one of these groups who's a, she's a designer and she's also a coach and she's recently been on this, um, line of thinking that we don't talk, we don't use the B word, which is budget. And it's actually kind of changed my thinking and I'm kind of appreciative of it. I, I, it's a new thing and I like it. She said, we don't use the word budget with a client anymore. Okay. Well, when you do big corporate jobs, especially hotels, that's a huge word. They, they have investors. There is definitely a line of budget, you know, a budget line. She, she replaces it with, it's an investment on the client's part. And when I thought about it, I said, that's brilliant because it is investment and, and it definitely goes hand in hand with the perception of value. So I, you may have told me, I only have $5,000 to spend on this, whatever we're doing, this remodel or whatever. Okay, great. Well, I know that if I find, show you a couple of things that are a little, they're going to push that number a little bit higher, but you love it and you really want it. Are you telling me you're not going to find a way to find the money? Most people will, if you can do it. If you can't, I'm one of those wonderful designers that will work with you. Maybe we do a payment plan. Maybe we do, I don't know, but we'll work it out because I believe in the design enough and giving you what you asked for that will serve you well. I really do believe this. This is not schlock or shtick. That's the word I meant to use. It's not shtick. It's, I really believe this. I'm trying to do, it's not my job when I, it's not my home. When, when I'm finished my work, I'm going to close the door, say, thank you very much. And I go and I maybe won't come back anymore. You have to live with it. So I need to give you what you asked me for. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I really believe that, that what I just said to you is that, that the perceived value and what she says about the investment, I think they go hand in hand, that this is not, it's not a budget for a person who's invested in the design. It's an investment on their money and on their belief system that you are giving what you said, you will do what you said you will do for them. That's so what how, I do you, how do you help people understand the value of design? Like what's, what, what are some of the things that you actually do or say, or like actually use to help, help someone who is questioning the value of the design to really understand why it's worth taking the time and the money to actually do something that works well for them? Yeah, well, I mean, that really goes, a uh, good example of that would be uh, like, you know, an aging in place kind of project would be somebody who's maybe in a wheelchair yeah. or their, their site has been affected or whatever. So they need things adjusted in their home. And I had a, a client um, started out, but they didn't have the money to finish the project. And it was one of those unfortunate things that broke my heart. We really didn't get to finish it, but I did a good job on it. Um, he had this... Um, sunroom. He had the sunroom in the back off and he'd never used it. It was, it was in poor condition, but he was going into a wheelchair and he really, he, he couldn't go upstairs to the bedroom anymore, but he wanted to stay in his home. So I looked around the house. I said, we could, if you're willing to invest a little bit more money, we could take the sunroom and adjust it and raise it up the floor level so that you can use it as your bedroom. And he hadn't thought of that before. It, it never occurred to him. It's like, it was just the sunroom that we never used because it had a step down and he couldn't do it anymore. I'm like, but we could make it work for you. 
and it would be lovely get a lot of light we'll we'll insulate it well you know do what we have to do but then you'll be on the first floor so you can age in place and then we were just going to do a bathroom um to adjust the bathroom so that it, it could accommodate the wheelchair that was a bigger part of the job um so i'm sorry tell me your question again i know i just got i just went off sorry it was uh how how do you get them to understand the value of design, right? When you're, okay. when you're teaching them, like how do you teach someone the value of design? Because right. someone who's not a designer doesn't always get that value. Right, sorry, I, I just lost my train of thought, but I had it. So that's the point, is that I gave him something he never thought of. It didn't occur to him. He didn't know how he was gonna make his space. He didn't wanna lose his dining room. He didn't wanna lose his living room over to, which what most people would do is turn that into a bedroom. And I said, well, you have this other room here. Oh yeah, it's just the sunroom. So that was a value to him. He was like, oh my God, you know, they loved it. So I actually did the space plan for them. Uh, I did the design work and then it kind of didn't go anywhere any because he just didn't have the money to do it at the time. I don't know what happened, but, um, but that's the point is when you hear a client say, I never thought of that or, oh my God, I love that. Not, not because they love the fabric. It's not all about the fun stuff. It's about you have this whole space. If we could adjust, say, take this wall out or open it up and do this here, what have you, to re-space plan it. We could actually make the space work for you. If you're not a designer and you don't know the ability on, can you take that wall out? Can you make a new wall here? Can you move the door over? If you, I, that's the first thing I think of when I go into space. So if I can show them that, they see the value. They see that they weren't thinking that way because it's not what they do. You know? Yeah, so it's it's a it's something that we deal with as entrepreneurs a lot is being able to say the here's the value of what I do because I you know I I see things I have a perspective that you don't have because of right. the skill sets that I have because of the uh, the the stack that's of, why you're hiring of me. I've learned yeah right, right. that's so, why you're supposed to be hiring me right yeah. yeah so it's it's a it's something that we deal with all the time you know regardless of what space you're in is learning how to communicate the value you have to your exactly. clients. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and, and also when they say that, you know, um, again, the value is if they don't have the money, I try to work with them because a lot of people don't, I, I don't, there's this thing about, uh, interior design is sort of equated with luxury. You know, there's this, this old fashioned, oh, I can't afford an interior designer or, or that's a, that's for luxury. That's for people with money. I don't see, I don't approach design that way. That's, there's a rich people design for sure. You know what that is? Instead of being relegated to below $50 a yard for fabric, you get to spend maybe the $100 or, you know, or more. Uh, there's definitely a level. If you want luxury, you're going to have to pay for it because luxury does cost more. But that doesn't mean you can't get quality interior design for an affordable price. And I, I hate to use that word because affordable to you may be different to me. Okay. And appropriate, an appropriate design an appropriate budget. You know, it's a word. Um, there, there's design for everyone that, and it can fit everyone. You know, my, my, my secret desire is to do more community spaces for communities that need it. You know, that, that, that do gooder thing would kill to do community rooms so that like a community house, like, like a JCC kind of a thing. But so that, that, that uh, communities that are desperate for that sort of thing for their kids and their, their, their members can, ha can use it. 
you know, like a dance studio, an art studio. And there are people that have to make decisions for that, you know, design decisions. I would so, love so to that actually that actually leads me really well into my next question, which is your driving cool. force, right? Spider-Man fights to save New York, Batman fights to save Gotham, or Google fights to index all the world's information. What is it that you fight for? What's your mission when you go out and you work with clients and you try to do um, design work? Do you have something specific that you're, you're striving to do? No, because every client is different. So I, I can't say that. So you, like I said, you could be that basketball player that wants that basketball court in his living room. That's a unique client. That's a special kind of client. He's completely different from the hotel owner, you know, who is different from, you know, there's, everybody has different needs, but my, if I could pick and choose what I really would be doing, I mean, I think you know that, I think in my bio, you know that my daughter's deaf and my son is very ADD. Both are very successful human beings. They're 26 and 29. So they're doing well. I, I apparently was a good mother. Okay. But, um, I'm very sensitive to accommodations and also being an interior designer, I have no choice. It's part of design. When you, when you get uh, a project that's introduced to you as a possible project, the first thing you ask is, where is it? And then I have to look up what the ADA accommodations, but some are just across the board. You know, if you have no uh, wheelchair access, I already know we have to do something, okay? Um, most people don't allow for this, but I'm always searching for some kind of accommodation for deaf people, for blind people. I had somebody, this is always a funny story. <laughs> some, this is, this talks to the, and I'm going to only mean this in a mean way, but the ignorance of people of accommodations. Everybody thinks, oh, ADA, wheelchair. It's not just wheelchair. There's a lot of other people that need accommodations out there. Yeah. So I was saying that to somebody once and he goes, this guy goes, we're talking about the hotel. And he says, well, there's the bumps, the, what is that, braille in the elevator. We're talking about my daughter being deaf and I wanted to have accommodations for deaf people. And I looked at him and I went, that's kind of really good for blind people. Like, did you hear what you said? We were talking about a deaf issue and you, because that's all they know. And yeah. I, I get it. I understand if it's not in your world, if you have no people in your world that need accommodations, it's not important to you. But one day it will be. You might be in the wheelchair, your significant other or spousal or your child. Somebody's going to need something. Some beloved aunt and uncle. Somebody needs something. And there's nothing worse than knowing that somebody couldn't get to use the facilities or be accommodated because the space wasn't, unfortunately, forced to do it because that's what ADA does. So, um, yeah, ADA is definitely near and dear to my heart um, because I can do it, because I can design for it. Just because it's ADA and you're accommodating for a disability doesn't mean it has to be ugly. I've seen people just throw ugly ramps up. Like, come on, yeah. you could have done better. There's some really pretty railings out there. You could have done something. They don't care, you know. And then there are people who really do make the effort. And I love that, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. So just taking the time to actually really care about the design and the people that are going to use it. Um, sounds like yeah. it's very near, near to your heart. It is really so near to your heart. There's so many people out there that need accommodations and they are stopped by using the facilities because there's not a wheelchair access or it's poor lighting. Uh, so my daughter being deaf, if we're in a restaurant or in a place that's very low lighting, she struggles. Why? Because she's reading lips. So she can't see lips well. 
you know, those are accommodations for her. So correct lighting, I don't mean bright and, you know, fluorescent, but appropriate lighting. Um, so how many times have you gone to a restaurant? It's so dark and dingy. Yeah. I think, really, in this day and age? Okay, you know. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's, that's what's near and dear to my heart. That's what I always search for. This would be an interesting question because you're 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 in a, in a in a unique space, right? So talk about your hero's tool belt, right? Maybe you have a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer, or maybe you just really love how you know Evernote helps you organize your thoughts. What are some of the tools you use to run the business side of your business, right? The the handling of leads, the scheduling appointments, the the stuff that's you know the the minutia of actually making sure you get your business done and you get your your product delivered to your clients on time. What are some of the tools that you use to help make that happen in your business? You mean like like Microsoft or or like like a? Well, I, I'm not sure. So I'm if, if is it uh, like do you do you use like a day planner? Is it? Oh, a, okay. I didn't know where you were going with that. Like a software yeah. or what? Yeah. Well, I I have uh, an assistant, uh, a part time assistant. I don't have that kind of volume, so uh, I'm not a big firm. But when I do need have the need for that kind of volume, I outsource. I I, I use contractors. Um, but yeah, no, we do like I will put together presentation boards based on uh, uh, the Microsoft suite, you know, um, Photoshop type of uh, um, software. Everything is digital these days. I have a very small studio in a place called the Factory. Shout out to the Factory. Um, and so what it is, is the maker space and it's in Collingswood. And so I have just one room and it's in, it's really cool. When you walk in, he does, um, his bread and butter money. He owns the building. So he's the landlord, but he also puts together those live edge tables. Do you know what they are? They're like sliced trees. You've seen them. You just don't realize you've seen them. Google live edge, live edge tables. They're sliced wood and it's really cool. It's, it's the hot thing now the last so many years and probably be around for a while. Um, so he puts those kinds of tables out. He does an amazing job. He's beautiful work, but he also rents out his huge space. So um, people, it's like a maker space. Now in the back, there are individual studios that people rent. I'm a tenant and I rent one. And so the point is, it's only so big. I can't, I don't have the luxury of having lots of what I call crap, <laughs> you know, like carpet yeah. books, fabric books and all that stuff. So that's as a designer these days, because of the digital world, I can do most of the stuff digitally, except things that have texture, like a fabric, like a carpet, um, or a tile. Those things I keep physically on site, or I go to the tile store, the fabrics place, or whatever, um, or my, my vendors bring them so to do me. You, but, do you mock up a lot of your designs, like in 3D for people? Yeah, I, I myself personally don't do the 3D. I took the class, and I just don't do it enough to retain it. I outsource that. But yes, we put together presentation boards and we do it through, through like, you know, a, a publisher or, you know, just make a, a, a document. And we do the, the uh, digital design boards. And then if the client approves that, I will send it digitally. And just like we're doing now, I'll have a Zoom call with them if they're far away. If they're nearby, I'll do it in person. But if it's far away, because there's no reason why I can't do a job in California. Mm -hmm. Designers do it all the time, hotels or corporate buildings. I mean, people travel. That's what planes are for. But again, we do a meeting like this. I put together a digital board. I share it. We review it. I go through everything. And um, if they approve it, then I will actually send them the real, the real materials. So they like what I showed them. Great. I'm going to put a package together and send them out. 
the fabric, the carpet, the tile, whatever. And um, then we get a second approval. Yep, I really do like this for sure. And, or can we, I'm not sure if I like this, we tweak it. And then, so we use, we utilize the mail system, but most times these are investor groups and they don't have this kind of time. They're like, we're good digitally. And um, so, yeah, I do a lot of stuff digitally, but that's one of the ways I do it. And then, uh, yeah, I use- um, That's really interesting that, yeah. uh, that you, can, you can do a lot of that stuff today, even with design work, how much of it you can do digitally. Oh, uh, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, that's super cool. I, a couple of years ago, I thought I was going to take a job in uh, Houston right before the hurricane hit there. So, um, and I'm really into tiny houses and not, I'm not a minimalist. Uh, I just needed a lot of stuff out of my life. I needed to downsize everything. I just couldn't live like this anymore. I think people are too attached to their stuff. And that's pretty funny coming from a designer because <laughs> yeah. I sell stuff, you know, but I think that people don't value their stuff the way they should. I think they, they minimize it and they, they take it for granted. Okay. So, and you only have to go through a storm to lose stuff to realize that. Uh, okay. So I got rid of my house and I bought an RV. Okay. And moved into it with my daughter thinking we were moving to Houston and then we would take our time because it's warmer. We could live in it for a while and then see, get the lay of the land and, you know, and, and, and find a place or whatever. Well, that storm took out that job. So I did not do that job. Plus, again, you've asked me being an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I've always kept my day. When I worked for other people, I still kept my business going on the side. So if I worked for a company that did only residential, which I've never done, then I wouldn't take any residential projects. I would only do projects that, that would never be a conflict of interest. Okay. So um, we're right now, we're living in an RV because I kind of like it. I, I'm interviewing you from an RV. I, I threw a curtain up behind me. I'm in my bedroom right now. Yeah, I do that yeah, because so in my this, studio, this I can't a, guarantee. Uh, this is a Are fake wall. I'm, I'm in, yeah, I'm in an RV. I love it because I feel like, here's how I put it. I have some of my friends that are got their noses in the air a little bit and they go, when are you going to go to an apartment? Have, I don't want to right now. Maybe I will, maybe I will. But right now, so my dream is to take jobs anywhere and just sort of drive my house to there and do the job. We don't have to live where we work. That's the thing. If you're doing anything digitally, if you're an interior designer, if you're a, a web designer, you don't have to live where the project is. It's the beauty of being in this day and age. So, and if I really need yeah, to get we to the project- full time. We've been traveling for two years. I love it. I love it. I, I, I know it won't last forever, but I'm not seeing an end to it right now. So I'm good. I know it's crazy. Um, I'm in New Jersey. So there's only two or three that are year round campgrounds that you can park this thing in. Um, and I'm waiting for tiny houses to become legal and accepted in New Jersey. And then that's probably where I'll go is do a tiny house. I'm waiting. I don't want to do it now because I think there's too much, there's still too much fighting over it. You know, they're, they're still yeah. not fully accepted, but that's the goal. Are you tired of trying to write webinars that don't consistently convert? How would you like to have a webinar that effortlessly created sales in your online business? You can. Introducing the Webinar Alchemy Workshop. Webinar Alchemy Workshop is an online masterclass that will help you write incredibly persuasive webinars for your online courses quickly and easily. Using what you learn in this class, you can build a webinar that educates your entire audience while still creating sales. For a limited time, you can purchase this masterclass for only $7, and you'll get the exact framework I've personally used to help my clients sell more than a million dollars worth of online coaching and training just over the last year. 
Simply text the word ALCHEMY, A-L-C-H-E-M-Y, to 444-999, and I'll send you all the details. The music is by Purple Planet Music. Visit www.purple-planet.com. And now, back to the show. So, let's talk a little about your, uh, your own personal heroes, right? Proto had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your heroes? Were they real-life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, peers who were just a few years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? I had a few. I don't want to name the names. And the reason why is when you put heroes up on a pedestal, they fall. And I've learned that the hard way is that when you idolize people or you make them bigger than they are, and maybe you shouldn't do that, but I think that's what we do with our heroes and our, you know, people that we look up to. I, I find it, it's heartbreaking because they're not really who they think they seem. I did have a mentor back in the day, this is going back 30 years ago. Uh, he was an architect, um, Sam from uh, Ocean Township. He has since passed, loved him. He was a kind, intelligent, thoughtful architect. And I love my architects. They are the favorite people in the world. Um, I love to be there. You know, I like to take what they do and bring it to fruition because that's my job really to take the architecture and finish it and, and complete it he was a lovely man and he has since passed and um he's the one person i would say that taught me a lot i learned a lot about drafting you know that's the drawing style we use in in design but um and he ran you know he had a, a small practice a mid-sized practice in ocean township uh, i met some great people there i i loved him um and then I, I think it's just, I don't tend to do that anymore. I think we were in this culture of putting a lot of pressure on people to be this perfect thing that they're not. So this goes against your show. I am sorry, <laughs> the hero. That's but, all right. You know, I just feel that way. I feel like we, we, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody to be somebody's hero or idolize them because nobody's perfect. So I, I think that's the other thing, going back to what you had asked before, I see things for what they are, and it's, it's disappointing if you're expecting something else. I'm a, I'm a realist, and I am a dreamer, but I'm a realist. Yeah, and I think, I think we all, we all um, you know, when we, we look to people who have inspired us, right? yeah. at some point you realize that everyone is a normal human being. Yeah. Um, but so there's, there's both sides to that. We, we yeah. take inspiration from people. Um, and, um, and at some point as you grow and realize that, you know, hey, they're just a normal person like me, right? Sam um, Bate was a on. normal person. He was a lovely man. He just, you know, he was an architect and, and he was my first real, actually, that's not true. I did work for somebody else briefly when I first started out, but he was the guy I, I looked up to and I, I had a lot of respect for his integrity. And I think that's really what I meant to say is coming around the long-winded way is I respect people who live with their integrity. And in this day and age, especially now, really hard to see that there's a lot of people doing that. I think people are walking around scared and nervous for lots of various reasons. And I don't think a lot of people are living their integrity. I know we, a lot of buzzwords out there, you know, be transparent, be a genuine person. That's how you get to be. It's all marketing stuff. Okay. Nobody is fully transparent and you shouldn't have to be. Okay. We're all allowed to have our secrets and our things that we don't want people to know. Okay. It's your human being. I don't really want to know all that stuff about you okay I, yeah, I makes have sense. to I mean get a life you know <laughs> so, I sound let's bring, it home for, <laughs> let's bring it home for our listeners a little bit and talk about um last thing here top one or two principles or actions that you take every day that 
contribute to your business growth? Maybe something you wish you had been doing when you started out. Um, I'm getting a little bit more, uh, I, I guess I'll use the word aggressive, although I'm not really sure if that's the right word, um, or cognizant of not being afraid to reach out to people. If I hear about things that are happening in the, you know, for a potential project or, you know, work, um, I'll reach out and find out the information. I used to not do that as much. I always read about it. I'm a voracious reader. I read everything. I read, you know, um, I'm not talking about books. I'm talking about magazines and news stories and I'm a news junkie. Um, but that means something's going on. So if you're reading about something um, that there's a, there's a possible, there's a sale, some, some building got sold, that means something's happening. You know what I mean? So probably it's too late by the time you read about it, but not always. So I'm, I'm, maybe it's putting myself out there a little bit more that I hadn't been doing that. So I've started to do that a little bit more often, which gets me in front of other people, you know? Yeah, just putting yourself the out there. Thing, I find it very hard to ask people for, what do they call that, referrals or good things like that. I feel very uncomfortable about doing that. I feel like if you really liked me and you liked the work I did or you liked something about me, you should want to do that. <laughs> that's really, that's ballsy. Because <laughs> people don't do that. You know, I do it. I do it with people. If I, if I meet someone and they, um, they impress me, I already put out, uh, say on the internet, like say Facebook or whatever. Like I just met this person. I just found out about this product. This is amazing. You know, and then who, maybe somebody, something will come of it, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So last thing I do on the show every time, and you were actually a, a recipient of this last time, Max, Max uh, asked you to come on the show, is our hero challenge. Hero challenge is really simple. It's do you have someone in your life or any network who is an entrepreneur that you think has a really cool story that they should come ah. on and share their story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on the show? Um, I think I could nominate. Did you get nominated Joe Pardo? No, I haven't. Okay, Joe Pardo is an amazing guy. He, if, if I could take one word, I would say that man is energy, all rolled up in one person. Max knows him very well. Um, he's a podcaster, but he's starting a bunch of different businesses, and the two that are specifically, he does, he runs the uh, MapCon. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard that. Max must have told you about that. Um, so it's a conference, a, a podcaster conference coming up in a couple of weeks. But also he, he has, he's, he, he hasn't been painted yet. He has, he still believes. <laughs> he's not jaded. Um, he's not energetic. Jaded, he has lots of projects going on and it's about the entrepreneurial spirit. He would be perfect for your show. He's awesome. Awesome. And well, he likes we'll that work out. too. We'll reach out later and uh, and see if we can get contact details for him. Last oh, thing yeah. is, thank you for so much for coming on the show today, Stacey. Really appreciate it. Where can people find you if they want to reach out and learn a little bit about interior design or maybe learn about your residential program that you're getting started? Where can they find you? How they, should they reach out? And right. who's like an ideal right. client? Okay, so the ideal client, I, I again, is hotels, but also for, for, the, for the residential, the DIY project uh, or workshop is going to be called Design Interrupted. And yes, it's taken right out of that movie, Girl Interrupted. The idea being is if you had a notion about design, I'm going to interrupt you and stop that. And now we're going to do it this way. We're going to let you do it, ha do your room the way you want to do it with professional guidance. Um, so that's why I call it Design Interrupted. But my company is called Interior and Design LLC. So the website 
uh, interior and design. It's interior the ampersand, just because I have to be different and I'm a designer, and you know, it's what we do. But domain names don't let you do that. So it's interior and design LLC.com. And I'm located in Collingswood, New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. Uh, what else did you ask me? Um, and so, who's your ideal client? How can they find you? Okay, so yeah, they can find me on the web. They can Google me, you know, Stacy Greenberg or Interior and Design LLC. Um, the ideal client is really anybody who wants a well-designed space. Uh, if it's a hotel, again, I do hotels, but that they they want it to reflect their their needs, their information, their tastes, what have you. That's my ideal client. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Stacey. I really appreciate it. It's been great um, talking with you. And it's, it's, I've not had anyone on talking about interior design before. It's an interesting business space. Really? Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a podcast. I haven't launched yet, but it's going to be called The Inside Outlook. It should be launching like very shortly. And um, I'll uh, let you know when that happens. I'm excited about it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for coming on the show. And um, thank you for, uh, for sharing your story with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a lovely meeting. I really enjoyed this.